Hello, and welcome to Status Hour. I'm Noura Arikat, and today on the program, I have with me Nicola Peragini, who will be discussing uh, his new co-authored book with Neve Gordon, The Human Right to Dominate. Nicola is a Mellon uh, postdoctoral fellow at Brown University. He's been an assistant professor and the director of the Human Rights Program at the Al-Quds University Bard College in Jerusalem, Palestine. He's taught at the Department of International Relations of the American University of Rome. And as I mentioned, he is here to discuss his newly co-authored book, The Human Right to Dominate, published by Oxford University Press. Welcome to the program, Nicola. Hi, Nora. Hi. Thanks for having me. So uh, I, I read uh, an earlier draft or an advanced draft of the book. And as I read it, it was one of those moments where I thought, wow, I really uh, did wish that I, I was able to write this or I had written it because all of the ideas and the critique on human rights are things that have been percolating, you know, in my own in my own head in thinking about human rights advocacy and its limitations and what it does um, and doesn't do. And so congratulations on a fantastic manuscript. Thanks. Thanks, Nora. One of the things that you do that um, pivots away from, an, uh, I think, what is otherwise a standard critique of human rights, which is, right, human rights is a derivative of a colonial order. It enshrines the rights of states. It disenfranchises the rights of uh, weak states as well as individuals in order to maintain a particular status quo. And I think that we've heard that a lot. What you do in this book is you take this a step further and say it's not not just about the status quo that human rights enshrines, but rather that it in and of itself is so devoid of meaning that it becomes a a very political tool that can be used in every which way direction without a particular uh, uh, meaning, without a, without any kind of content which is reliable um, and 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 something that we we could use without considerable risk. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Uh, sure. Basically, yeah, we, I mean, we, we do not disagree with the idea that the, the, the genealogy of human rights is, is um, inscribed within, within um, uh, dynamics of power and, and, and the way in which um, human rights were produced, designed, historically are surely connected to, to, to relationships of power. But yeah, um, uh, we were un- unsatisfied with this uh, linear uh, narratives, basically, um, um, in which, in which um, there is a, a presumption that the, and, and an assumption that, that there is something such such an original uh, this idea of the original was particularly problematic for us this idea of the fact that there, the, the, there are founding moments there are founding uh, definitions of human rights so we, we wanted to to appropriate a little bit more uh, the the ambivalence uh, of, of human rights both uh, legally and 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 and, and discourse so what we um, what we try to 
do, especially when we analyze practices in, 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 in the book, uh, is to try to see what happens when, when there is uh, um, what we call a translation of, of human rights in, into practice. What happens when, when uh, political actors use something which is there, which is defined, which seems to be uh, extremely clear, uh, uh, takes the shape and, and, and assumes the shape of something l l like a practice in, in a concrete context of, of uh, a symmetry of power. And, and domination. Um, we were. What was striking for us was something uh, recent, uh, also, which is this this recent appropriation, uh, what we call appropriation of human rights by conservative actors. So, whereas in 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 in, in in mainstream uh, uh, political analysis and theory, what you have is this uh, uh, um, clear dichotomy between conservatives against human rights and progressive for human rights. I, I think the, 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 there was a problem in that narrative, and we, we tried to see what happened in the last two decades, especially uh, uh, when... when um, conservative political actors and reactionary or even proto-fascist political actors started to appropriate the language of human rights. We were interested in, in, in seeing how this original was, was, was uh, vernacularized, as we say, um, in, in specific contexts. Namely, I mean, we're, uh, what was striking for us was, was what is going on in Europe, where... Uh, extreme right-wing parties are appropriating the human, human rights language and are mobilizing uh, the human rights discourse uh, in order to advance Islamophobic uh, agendas. Or uh, um, in Russia, where, where uh, human rights and the protection of the family is mobilized in order to advance homophobic uh, agendas. Or, uh, and of course, Israel-Palestine, where... Uh, uh, um, the settler movement and some uh, sections of the settler movement are constituting themselves into human rights organizations and are mobilizing human rights uh, in order to, to legitimize um, um, this possession. Then, whether these mobilizations are effective or not, to which degree, I think this is something that we have to, to as scholars, we have to analyze uh, going case by case and situation by, uh, by situation. But uh, yeah, to go back to your initial question, our our idea was uh, to 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 focus on on something which with Walter Benjamin we call uh, translation. This possibility mm -hmm. uh, of of a constant uh, transformation of something which is presumed to be and, and assumed to be as a, 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 an original, but at the end uh, it is not. So. Yeah. so push back a little bit on this and not because I disagree with you but something that you mentioned in the text is that you actually challenge this notion that conservatives and maybe I'm reading this incorrectly but challenge this notion that conservatives are appropriating anything um, actually you say that the fact that liberal institutions put on as if they own, so to speak, um, human rights, or that the original intent of human rights is something that's more proximate to their mission is incorrect. And in fact, whether they're illiberal or liberal institutions, they also reinforce domination rather than destabilize it. So how... How does that work in, in the way that you're thinking about it? Because that's really intriguing to think that 
you know, it's not that it was just to be used by liberals. It could be used by illiberals in the, in the way that it's laid out. And in fact, when um, liberals or, or radicals or whomever use human rights, that there might be this risk of reinforcing uh, these problematic norms. Um, well, this is, this is a fascinating question. I mean, uh, there is something that we call convergence. I think it's, it's under our uh, uh, eyes, uh, this convergence between liberals and, and conservatives on certain topics, on certain themes, on certain uh, kind, of, kind of interpretations of, of, of certain kind of situations of, 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 um, of domination. Um, I think that I think that what is going on is is also something similar. It's it's as if, on the one hand, there is a convergence, um, but on the other hand, there is something else, and 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 this is what we focus on, uh, uh, especially on in, in the conclusion. I think there is a, a liberal mistake, uh, uh, and the liberal mistake consists of um, abandoning uh, certain kind of potentialities of the mobilization of human rights and human rights discourse. And it's something similar probably to, to what went on. I mean, this is a, a weird comparison, but... Uh, you know, it's something similar to what went on in Italy with uh, fascism, in which fascism advanced uh, also because there was a, a withdrawal by, by um, progressive and non-fascist forces from, uh, from certain kind of uh, spaces and, and, forms of, um, and forms of struggle. Um, so I, I think that... that there is a side of the story which is also a kind of passive appropriation by by conservatives of, of human rights norms and human rights uh, 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 language. Uh, a passive appropriation by which I mean an appropriation that happens by by a withdrawal, through a withdrawal by by uh, by other forces. So I think we have to understand the human rights field as a force field. Mm-hmm. Um, as a force field in the, in, in the meaning that a field of forces in which there is almost a, 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 a military dynamic going on, a military spatial dynamic going on in which convergences are relevant and problematic and abandoning certain kind of... Uh, I mean, it's not simply about abandoning certain kind of spaces, is also about, and this is where, for instance, we attack uh, Amnesty International in, in the book or other human rights, liberal human rights organizations, there is a question and a problem which is a problem of erasing certain kind of traditions of, of uh, human rights mobilization and human rights agitation. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I just want to give, you know, flesh out this very provocative, uh, you know, statement that you and Neve are pointing out, which is that liberals re-enshrine power 
and 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 the imbalance of power when they use human rights as well. And so can you um and it's not just these illiberal forces like the right and and you know the Russian state and its homophobic agenda, but that even liberals with the best of intentions are reinforcing these um these power imbalances. So maybe you can tell well, there, us about those examples. Yeah, there are a couple of, there, there's a couple of uh, examples that we give, which is uh, the opening example of, of Amnesty International and, and uh, the campaign uh, against the withdrawal of NATO forces from Afghanistan in order to protect women's rights. Um, that episode was, was really uh, a clear uh, manifestation of this uh, uh, liberal convergence on 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 uh, um, imperial agendas, basically, uh, and then there is a, 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 a constellation of uh, events, uh, reports, uh, facts, uh, uh, um, uh, press releases in which um, in which liberal human rights NGOs are not. Uh, uh, putting in, putting into discussion the, the basic foundations of of violence and domination in the context in, in which they intervene. We mentioned, for instance, the Human Rights Watch uh, drone report, in which the question is not really about questioning uh, uh, the use of drones, but it's about uh, using drones proportionally. And then maybe somebody from Human Rights Watch would tell you. Um, well, this is not our mandate. Uh, this is not what we do. Uh, but then the question remains: Why you don't do that? Why? Why do you delimit the sphere of uh, um, human rights advocacy and mobilization to uh, in, in such a way that you are unable to to question the the, the roots of the problems? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Absolutely. So, do you feel that? these organizations, for example, purposefully put themselves in these binds? Or is there a possibility where they could, in fact, do both highlight the disproportionate nature of the use of drones and simultaneously condemn their use altogether? Well, I think th th there are many factors that produce this, this, this kind of positioning, this kind of problematic positioning and, and way of acting by, by, by these uh, human rights organizations. I, I think that there is a chance, of course, uh, to, condemn, uh, to condemn the two, to condemn the way in which uh, war is... is uh, is waged and um, at the same time to condemn the 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 the, the kind of uh, uh, asymmetric conditions in which uh, war is waged and the reasons behind behind uh, uh, wars. I mean, I don't see the two realms as um, as separated. I mean, you can em em embrace international human rights law in, in order to condemn disproportionate destruction, but then you have to do something else with that. Uh, that might be uh, an immediate intervention in the field, uh, but that cannot be your positioning. Uh, or, 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 uh, that could be a, 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 a way of in 
intervening tactically into into a situation but then when it becomes your whole strategy that becomes problematic so um, there are episodes instances situations in which human rights organizations intervene effectively uh, and produce uh, documentation about uh, the problems related to the use in Bedlo. Uh but then but then there are the, 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 the doors remain open for for something more than that. That could be a beginning of something. Uh, I don't understand why they stop there. Uh, and when the, the debate become heated, uh, they withdraw. So that that is the problem with me. Why there is I mean, think about the, the Goldstone report and, and, and what happened with Gaza. I mean, there was an attack, there was a, a, an extremely detailed uh, uh, documentation produced about, about war crimes. And then, and then the, the actors basically abandoned the field <laughs> and didn't push the, the, the critique where it, had, where it needed to be pushed. So what I'm hearing is this very, um, very... Uh, meticulous nuance uh, that distinguishes the human rights regime from the human rights themselves, whereas the regime uh, includes the institutions and the norms and the state expectations and the reproduction of human rights as a regime, whereas the laws themselves enshrine the principles that one can still use tactically, as you say. Yep. 